Hello and welcome to the Untranslatable Podcast. Today we are here recording episode 96, and we will be discussing homework and standardized testing across different cultures and the pros and cons, and also the effects of assigning homework or not assigning homework, and what some of the positives and negatives of standardized tests are. And this episode is for you if you are curious which education programs around the world are successful due to or due to the lack of homework or standardized tests, along with, um, at least I'm going to give a few strategies on homework as well, since I am a teacher. And I'm curious to hear what Jared has to say regarding our topic of homework and standardized tests in different countries and cultures. So we're looking forward to bringing you this episode. And uh, without further ado, my good buddy, my uh, my master, tester, and homework uh, protege, my buddy Jared. <laughs> we clearly did not go to school together. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hello. Yeah, this home, this episode is also for you if you're looking for excuses to get out of homework. You know, if you're That's true. Finland or something like that. I'm like, but look at them. They're doing fine. Uh, but first, before we get into that, please spread a little love um, with... Five, excuse me, sorry, I'm trying to double task, and now we see how that goes. I forgot about my Spanish <laughs> word of the pod, but I knew it was gonna what it's gonna be, and there so you go. I'm just pulling it up. Anyway, spread a little love <laughs> by following us on Instagram, Untranslatable Podcast. Look at the pictures the other day from me as a young boy uh, going going to the International School of Dusseldorf, or look at Chad and his journeys through Czech Switzerland, which is not in Switzerland. Or you can follow us on Twitter. <laughs> Untranslatable one, the number one. That's where I uh, post the episodes. I retweet stuff that is interesting to me. Um, like, uh, for example, Jimmy Tatro saying, just uh, uh, so you know, not everyone has to have a podcast. Uh, I retweeted <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> uh, or you can email us, untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com. On all of those places, feel free to get into those inboxes, slide into the DMs, give us some... Uh, Episode recommendations, untranslatable ideas, you know, which are idioms, proverbs, sayings that don't really make any sense when literally translated or sometimes they're even funny when you translate them. But they're deep and profound when they actually when you actually get down to what those people are trying to say. Uh, or if you really want to spread a little love, hit us with those five star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. Please, please, please. <laughs> Don't make we Jared can, cry, that's for sure. So, go to our website, untranslatablepodcast.com. Uh, it's always filled with untranslatables if you're trying to impress someone on a date or at your next family function. Uh, whip out some untranslatables and be like, oh, where did I get these? The Untranslatable Podcast. That's right. Or Brilliant. Or how dare you, you interrupt a new drop. Brilliant. I know, right? <laughs> Um, or if you want to complain about the amount of homework you're getting or the next standardized test you have to take, our untranslatables are a great place to start to express all sorts of different positive and negative emotions. That's for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you know, Jared, I've been thinking we're getting closer to episode 100, which boggles my mind, but you know, it kind of reminded me of that, that, you know, the thing you said about not everyone needs a podcast, but I will say this. We are here for we all of you out there <laughs> um, to um, kind of spread the love of travel, learning languages, learning new exciting things about different places. Check out our uh, travel tips episodes. We have Prague and uh, also Vienna. Vienna now as well mm -hmm. for your enjoyment. 
So let us know what you think about those episodes as well. And uh, we hope they give you some good insightful travel tips so you can maximize your time in these places. And you know, the other reason why we started this podcast was to try to bring some sunshine in such a such a dark and cloudy world today. And uh, wow. we hope our uh, for yourself, my cheesiness and, and Jared's <laughs> uh, very realistic pessimism, sometimes optimism, will bring some light into your day. Yeah, I think so. Speaking of some optimism, I went to a concert yesterday. No, How, two ooh, days really? ago. Now that I think about it. What day is it? Yeah, two days ago. <laughs> what what concert? Because you already went to the, we already discussed the Velvet. Um, Red what Velvet Hall. Thank you. That's what so they what call it. So what concert did you go to? This was a little different. This was uh, Thundercat. Do you know who Thundercat is? Oh, nice. Yeah, of uh, course. Earl Sweatshirt and uh, headlined uh, headliner Anderson Pack. And, um, you know, it's weird because I don't want to complain, but I'm going to complain a little bit. Not about Anderson <laughs> Pack. His part was amazing. I'll start with his. So he okay. was the headliner, and uh, he has the production value. Out the- Do you know who Anderson Pack is? Hmm? Uh, he his production value was amazing. He had lights all over the place. He had like a um, you know he's a he's a very uh, animated performer. He's he dances a lot and also he play he's a drummer. So he was constantly running back and forth between front of the stage really? and a drum kit that was on an elevated uh, an elevated stand that actually raised up and down into like this oh, little sweet. cage and then up so you could see him high above. And so he was doing. All, they had. Um, fire like flames that would come like you know oh, like sweet <laughs> and pyrotechnics like, yeah yes pyrotechnics they had like um confetti that shot out there were uh like little firework thingies that shot out and uh cool um graphics on this little screen in the background it was it was awesome um thundercat i was so looking forward to i love thundercat and it bummed me out first of all he opened which i was not expecting i was expecting him to be the middle but um he only played two songs that I recognized, and it seems from the and this is not about just about me, but it seems like also from the reaction of the crowd, those were also the only two songs that everyone in the crowd recognized, and I, hmm. it was a bummer. I was like, "Come on, man! You got a great album that came out like a year ago. Like, uh, you pull more from that, except for those two songs." One thing I didn't realize, I mean, I know he's a bassist and he plays that like what is that a seven string bass or something like that? Six or seven string, yeah. Um. He was going to town on that thing. I thought I it was it. about to become one of the pyrotechnics <laughs> for I a second. I hope that bass was 18 years old at least. <laughs> he was... <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Slipping on the He just got that. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to town on it. Like, it was impressive to watch, but it was like more just the thing where you like bop your head to and like are impressed by it. You couldn't sing along to many of the songs because it didn't seem like anyone knew any of them and it kind of bummed me out i don't know why yeah i don't know why you would do that as a performer but yeah yeah i don't know i don't know and and then earl sweatshirt he's a rapper and he's he's fine like i'm not a like i I don't dislike him but i'm not a big fan of him but um he was a tough middle act because i don't know if you've heard any of his stuff before he's a very good Mm -hmm. rapper and he's very lyrical but he doesn't really have like choruses and he doesn't really have really Yeah, it's a just rapper like, without choruses. He doesn't so really just have many straight choruses. verses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. straight bars from A to B. It really is just straight bars, okay. and okay. It, they're good bars, and it's very lyrical. But along with that, it like so, it, like the melodies, like or the excuse me, the beats don't have much like. Substance? Like you can't really dance to them. Like it's more just like a, almost like if you were to like watch someone just freestyle and they put like one of those like rep- rep- repetitive beats. Oh, they're gotcha. better than yeah. that. Yeah, but it's kind of like that. 
And so um, that so if the only way his what you people would get into him is if you were like a real fan of him. Like there was a guy in front of us that knew like every word to his stuff, and oh, that damn. guy was into it. But other I than that, it. you could only do like one of those like slow sort of head nods, like just like. Okay. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, right. I get it. Oh, yeah, he's going to town. But it was hard for, like, uh, you know, if you're trying to, like, hype up the crowd as an opener, it's hard to uh, it, it's hard to, to do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, so that was – those were slightly uh, bummed me out a little bit, although I, it was interesting. I was walking to the place because the place was, like, 10, 15 minutes from my house, the uh, venue, and uh, this dude was walking the other way. And he's like, oh, shit, it's Earl Sweatshirt. And I look behind me, and he was just had just walked out of the CVS at the corner, and he was just walking down the street to the venue. <laughs> and, Damn. Uh, I, I would never, uh, even if it's a celebrity that I'm in love with, I, wouldn't, I would go out of my way to pretend like I don't even recognize the person. Uh, so I didn't say I anything or anything. That. I, I but, would uh, probably say something. Uh, I wouldn't. I, I, would, I would never want them to think that uh, I'm some sort of fan. Like, even... Um, Why? I feel like what's wrong with saying... I admire and enjoy your music. That's like one of the biggest compliments uh, you can give somebody. Uh, no? I've done that a couple times too. I did meet a one of my a podcaster I'm into at a concert a couple years ago. Granted, he's not famous, but okay. uh, the only reason that I did that was because he was literally right behind me, and I heard the voice, and I was like, "What is that?" And I looked behind me, and he was right there. I was like, "Are you Randolph Terrence?" He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "I love your podcast." <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but usually, he appreciated I, it though, didn't he? I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. But that's different, too, because he's not... It feels different, too, because he's not a celebrity, you know? Like, I feel like it means more to someone like that that's not just, like, always getting bombarded with it. That's fair. Um, but I just don't want to be, like... I hate the idea of just being one of those, like, screamy fans. Well, sh- uh, well yeah, but I don't think I don't think you just saying, hey, man, I like your music, or, right. or something obviously a little deeper than that is not... Screamy fangirl asks, you know, yeah, just just pull one of those. Just look at him. Yeah. Give him a thumbs up. You're good to go. I, I know what you mean. Uh, exactly. I, I know exactly what you mean. But but it was cool to uh, see him know. walking down the street. It is always cool to, to see stuff like that. But um, Thunder, but then uh, Anderson Pack was great, and he was on for like an hour and a half. So he got a good amount of them. Um, it was a good time. It was a good time. It was fun. Very different than the Red Velvet Hall. Different clientele. I could see that. And um, I'm in the process of – well, I'll say it. Who cares? Um, I'm in the process of looking for a job right now. And uh, this was a concert filled with weed smokers around me. And I never mm. felt like more of an old man. They're like, hey, get that weed smoke out of my face. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to get a job here. <laughs> right. Come on, people. Get that devil's lettuce out of here. <laughs> I was literally like – there were a couple of times where I like, held my breath as someone in front of me exhaled. I was like, you're right. not going to be the reason I don't get the job of my dreams, right. asshole. <laughs> right. Yeah. Excuse me, sir. This is not a jazz concert. Get rid of that jazz cabbage, please. <laughs> yeah, get those jazz cigarettes out of here. Oh, man, that's funny. <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed the concert, though, Jared. And speaking of concerts, for the next seven days, there will be live music every night in Komutov. There is a festival mm. called Otavreno, which is Czech for open. Uh, like, you know, the store is open or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'll be going tomorrow night and checking out the first concert and uh should be a lot of fun going with a few friends and uh they're uh one of the bands is it's weird the first band is like this like pop punk group the second band is like like kind of really like upbeat dancey kind of rap music in czech mm. so it will be interesting mm. czech rap music i feel like that could work 
Uh, okay. <laughs> Ask, I actually had a conversation with my students this week actually about Sorry. the same thing. And it was it was really funny. I thought the class would be split. Like 50 would be like, oh, yeah, check rap is great. Check rap, you know, 50 would be like, oh, it's not so great. One of my classes I asked them about because they were we were talking about the states. And, you know, I explained to them I was from Michigan, which most of them already knew. But a lot of them said, oh, so you, you like Eminem. And I was like, well, yeah, of course. He's one of the greatest. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then I said, what about you guys? Are there any, like, good Czech rappers? And I could not believe how quickly my students Crickets. turned from, no, it's... They literally warned my students said, no, it's shit. For lack of a better <laughs> term, he, he told me, he's like, no, it's shit. Um, and I was like, well, appreciate the honesty, I guess. But yeah, uh, uh, I don't know. The problem with me is my Czech language skills aren't good enough to also understand the lyrics enough. And a couple people mm-hmm. told me that's a good thing because they don't rap about anything substantial. Uh, right. But I'm not sure. I, I bet you you could probably find a couple rappers here that that go a little bit deeper. Um, yeah, but, but probably yeah. not the popular ones. You gotta you gotta be a rap hipster, check rap hipster about it. That's true. That is true. Well, Jared, um, nothing else is new and exciting. So how about we spread a little love? I'm with you. I'm with you. So my first shout out. Um, well, Jared, should we st- not? All right, my first shout out goes out to. Uh, Algeria and Argentina, which are two yeah, slightly different located <laughs> far away countries. From one uh, Argentina, obviously, in South America, Algeria in Africa. But Algeria and Argentina are officially malaria-free, according to the World Health Organization. Damn. So big shout-out to not only Algeria and Argentina, but also all of the scientists and workers who have helped make this possible. So it took three years... Um, and so just, just for all of our listeners, uh, so they know in order for a county or sorry, country to be certified as malaria free, it has to prove that it has stopped in country transmission of malaria for at least three consecutive years. Hmm. So the last cases of indigenous malaria in Algeria and Argentina were reported in 2013 and 2010. Wow. Um, Longer than that. So yeah. And what's interesting though, is in Algeria, Jared, that's actually where the malaria parasite was discovered by French uh, physician Dr. Charles Louis Alphonse Leveron in 1880, and it is and uh, Algeria is actually the only or sorry the second country in Africa to reach this milestone. Do you have any idea which other country has uh, reached this milestone? Yes. No, but I'm going to take a guess. <laughs> okay, go for it. South Africa. Nope. Um. Can you give me a clue? The region? Oh, dude, my my geography skills of Africa are horrible. All right, what's it start with? M. Uh, Madagascar. Nope. Mauritius. Yes, very good. Okay. Well, well I pretend think that was island. your first guess. Off the uh, coast of Africa. I believe so as well. And guess what year Mauritius was recognized as malaria-free? Uh, 2001. 1973. Damn. How, yeah. Why are they so far ahead of everyone? Maybe it helps. I have helps. no idea. I bet you yeah. it helps that it's an island. I would imagine so, yeah. Um, but yeah, and there's also now a, well, so there's a vaccine that offers partial protection from malaria, which cr- clinical trials have found that it prevented approximately four in 10 malaria cases. So this is great news for everybody out there, uh, especially in Argentina and uh, Algeria with no cases of malaria in the last three years. So that's really awesome. Mm-hmm. And my next shout-out, I have two, well, I guess three country shout-outs today. 
already covered two of them. And my next one goes out to China. And now China is usually known uh, or gets a very bad rep for pollution, bad air quality, not taking good care of its nature. But what's interesting is China has actually now uh, set this plan in motion to protect one quarter of the land, which one quarter of China is actually a huge, huge amount of land, which is an area almost the size of France, Spain, Turkey, Germany, and Italy combined, totaling more than 2.4 million square kilometers. And it's 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 not like a industrialized area. It's um, I, I'm not really sure, but all I know is this is called the China Ecological Conversation uh, Conservation Red Line or ECRL. And believe it or not, this initiative actually began all the way in 2011. Um, but I believe now they're starting to expand it and um, are making a lot of headway. So plans are already in place for 15 provinces, including Beijing and the Yangtze River uh, economic area. The rest will be completed by the end of the year. Um, So yeah, so it's really amazing that China is taking these steps Mm -hmm. to um, ensure um, protecting their land and their nature, which is very, very important, not only for the country now, but for the future of the country. So kudos to you, People's Republic of China. For sure, for sure. Well, Jared, I think you know what time it is. Oh, if my watch is right, it's... Oh, it is right. And it's the untranslatable owl telling us... It's been very That was an accident. It's tell, telling us to <laughs> get to those untranslatables. Get to the untranslatables! <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, my first one, I'll start. Um, it's Polish, so you know I'm going to mess up pronunciation. Siedwicz... Yak na Turkim Turekim Katsanui. And that is to sit like a Turkish sermon. I got the like yak in a Turkish as sermon. like. Sorry. Right. Because yak is, is similar in Czech. Um, sit like a Turkish sermon. Like in a Turkish sermon. Like in a Turkish sermon. I don't know how they sit in a Turkish sermon. Doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Can you give me a clue? I have no idea even where to begin with this one. Um, I think, well, when you first moved to... Well, let me let me change the... Uh, la- our last episode was about um, my experience living in Germany and going to international school. Mm-hmm. And for my first couple uh, weeks in Germany, maybe months, I would say, um, I would, you know, go go live my life in the city, and it uh, wherever I went, it felt like I was sitting in a Turkish sermon. So it's just like super crowded. No, no. I would uh, whenever when you moved to Czech Republic for the first time, um, in Homotov, whenever you would uh, go to the grocery store, whenever you would go to restaurants. Oh, you feel lost. Uh, when you went to, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep this going. Okay. When you went to um, your colleague's house for Easter, mm-hmm. uh, you were the only one, the only non-check there, and it felt like you were sitting uh-huh. in a Turkish sermon. So you feel like you're an outsider. When uh, <laughs> what? I mean, <laughs> I kind no of, idea. but it's more, it's more specific. You realize I'm talking about all these places that we've been to, and we didn't know the language. So, so it's when you listen to people mm-hmm. speaking in a foreign language and you have no idea what they're saying. 
Oh, that's a good one. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I may feel like that depending on where I end up next. Um, so that's a very, very good one. You could also use it um, like if you're in like a, like if you or I say we're in like a, like a quantum physics lecture hall. And where we, we always spend lots of time. <laughs> yeah. It feels like we're uh, sitting in a Turkish sermon because we right. have no idea what's going on. Okay. In, in, well, yeah. Okay. Good. Good. So Jared, I figured I'd give you a Spanish one uh, si. today. And see see how your Spanish is. Oh, so, geez. se me fue el avión. Avión is a tequila. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it means the airplane got away from me. Okay. The airplane got away from me. Does that have anything to do with being, like, really drunk? Nope. The airplane got away from me. Like, you lost track of time? Mm, not quite. You were having um, so much fun that, uh, no. no, no, no. I mean, any, any, well, I'll give you an example, but it'll probably give it away because this one, there's really no way to give you an example without giving it away. So, oh, well, here you go, Jared. Um, so you came to visit me. Well, no, that one doesn't work. Never mind. Ah, okay. When we were in Berlin, uh, if you, if for all of our listeners out there, if you listen to our episode or watch our episode, um, when we were in Berlin, um, I had on a nice blue denim button down mm-hmm. and I had left the button down in the closet like an idiot because I hung it up and oh. then we came back to Prague and I realized it was gone. So then I could say the airplane got away from me. Uh, oh, it's like it's too late. Like you, lo- like you missed your chance. Kind of. It's more, it's more basically I forgot. Okay. Okay. I, I got you. Mm-hmm. I got Same you. Speaking of forgetting. And, avion. Mm-hmm. and speaking of being in uh, in Europe, I remember. So I I tried to upload that one episode that Don shot in 4K, mm-hmm. and not only did I not get it from his phone to my computer, but it messed up to my computer to the point where I magically had a very low amount of uh, of of disk disk space, mm-hmm. and I couldn't figure out why. So just a couple, maybe a week or two ago, I was digging deep, deep into my uh, uh, finder, uh, all my mm-hmm. folders, because uh, that's what I like to do sometimes when I'm bored. And <laughs> I found in entirety, in 4K, that episode. That video. Really? That video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, How and many I, hours would it take to upload it onto YouTube? <sighs> um, it would take at least 12, probably. Oh damn, that's crazy. I mean, because it's 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 um it takes usually takes me about two, but this one is like like over five times the it would probably take more right. than twelve now that I think about it. Probably take less than twenty four because it's like probably ten times the uh the, like the uh, gigabytes. <laughs> right. Any anyways, let's <clears throat> let's move back uh, to the untranslatables. <laughs> you don't think people's interested in in, in this? <laughs> uh, my next one is Arabic. And it's tahafal um, alahad, and it's to throw a party at someone. To throw a party? Is that like to accuse someone of something? Is this positive or negative? Can you tell me that? Uh, I'd say it's it's not negative. Some people might take it the wrong way, but okay. I think it's meant in a positive way. I mean, I can give you is a very... Like to, is that like to butter somebody up? Mm-mm-mm. No. no. I can give you, you a mean... very easy uh, example that you'll get. Okay. Uh, on this podcast, I love to throw parties at you. Oh, you roast somebody. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> it's to embarrass someone. 
<laughs> embarrass someone in a non-offensive way or to jokingly make fun of uh, of them about something. Jared's a party thrower expert here at the Untranslatable yeah, I Podcast. I like to party for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Are you here for the pants party? <laughs> There's a party in my pants. Uh, you go ahead. Your turn. Oh, what man, is that, that from? Movie. Um, uh, Anchorman. Oh, right. Anchorman. Uh, no, 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 Steve no, no. 40-year-old no. virgin. Or, or yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's Steve Carell. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, that's right. So my, my last one for today's check. Still haven't run out of them. We'll see. My goal is to get past, to get to episode 100. Which I think I'll still be here, but we'll see. You'll definitely Anyways, still be here. Um, right. I, well, I only got, yeah, you're right. I got five weeks left. How you realize we're on 96 now? We yeah, put yeah, out two yeah, a yeah. week. So, two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. Anyways, so <clears throat> mine is check and it is So Yesemzi Nadrobio Tosi Evipiu, which means loosely means what I have made for myself, I will drink to the last drop. Mm. What I've made for myself, I will drink to the last drop. Is that mm-hmm. like appreciate your blessings? Nope. Okay. We we have an English untranslatable or a phrase, but we use the term we use bed. Oh, oh, it's like uh, you made your bed, you now you got to sleep in it. Yep. It's like you have yep. to you have to take responsibility for your actions. Exactly. Exactly. Mm, okay. Okay. So there you go. So that's that's all I've got for untranslatable. Uh, I'll go one more, why not? Okay. I have a Hungarian one, which, once again, means it'll be pronounced wrong. Not like I'm some sort of Arabic <laughs> aficionado. I don't know. <laughs> um, but the, it is kurmudre eg a giertia. I don't even know like where to begin on like the pronunciation of uh, Hungarian. Yeah, I have no idea. I haven't either. heard it enough to even have an idea of, of what it right. should be sounding like. You mean you're not doing your 30-minute your Hungarian lessons from YouTube every day? That's next, after I master Spanish in a few weeks. There, there uh, you go. <laughs> the candle is burning on your nail. So it's like time is of the essence? Oh, very Ooh, good. all right. Yes. All right. It's you're putting something off until the very last minute. But yeah, time is of okay. the essence because you put it off until the very last minute. Right. Interesting. <clears throat> okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Jared, let's, uh, let's move on and let's discuss homework and standardized tests in different countries. Um, I guess first, I would like to explain what both these terms mean, because I don't know if everyone has the same idea. Probably they do understand what homework is, but Mm -hmm. some of our listeners out there who maybe have not had to take a ton of standardized tests may not be aware of what it is and what it means. So homework is obviously just some type of task or assignment you do that has been assigned by your teacher and you do it at home. Uh, bringing into class the next day or whatever. A standardized test, though, is usually some type of test given at a certain grade level or certain age, which is supposed to kind of show which benchmarks uh, the student has reached. And in theory, it should also show and measure a student's skill level or knowledge, really more knowledge in certain areas, whether it be mathematics, science, um, English, what have you. Um, What's interesting, though, about standardized tests One is there are a lot of countries in the world that have very different philosophies on the use and implementation of standardized tests and also homework. Um, But I have to say, I don't know if your experience was like this, Jared, at your school, your high school, 
but they standardized uh, they standardized tested the shit out of us when I was in school in Michigan. Yeah, luckily I missed a good part of that because I was in Germany and they, I didn't really do any standardized tests at the international school. But yeah, um, definitely even in the final two years of high school, I got a bunch of them. You know, PSAT, uh, SAT, ACT. The mm-hmm. you know there were, I think there were two different Michigan ones. Yep. Um, the meat. That was definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's another one I took as well, though. Yeah, there were a bunch of them. And uh, I don't know about you. Um, I am terrible at standardized tests. Oh, like, I'm also awful. Yeah, it, it goes it goes so against everything that uh, like the way my brain works. I'm such mm-hmm. a scatterbrained person. Even like for example, when I'm at a menu, I don't like restaurants that have giant menus because like I just skip around. Like I can't just like read it. Like in a list, okay. I like I'll start in one place and skip over and skip around. Like I just have such a scattered brain that that kind of just that sort of testing is not work. And I remember when I got into Albion, actually, I can say this now because I've graduated. Um, right. I did not do well. I did okay. Uh, no, I didn't do well on either of them. But I I did not do well on my SAT. I got like a sixteen hundred something, which is not good. Right. And um. Long ago, uh, you know, the, 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 the scores have adjusted over time. Mm-hmm. But long ago, 1,600 was the highest you could get on SAT, and it was the best score. Not when I took it, just be clear. Right. <laughs> it was up to <laughs> way past that. But um, I, was, uh, I was visiting uh, Albion, the school I ended up going to, and I was visiting the honors business program. And I met with, one of the, with, with the lady that was the president at the time. And I mm-hmm. mentioned that I got a 1600 on my SAT, and she was so goddamn impressed. And in my head, I was like, "Really?" I was like, "What?" I didn't correct her, obviously, but right. I was like, "Why is she so impressed?" I think she thought that that was still the top score you could get. <laughs> so could she be. thought she thought I like mastered the SAT. Right. That might have had something to do with me getting in, and I was like, oh, "I'm not going to correct you. <laughs> right. Like, I'm not an idiot." And for and for ACT, it's what like a 34 or 36? 36? 36. Yeah, yeah. I got like a 20 or a 21 or 22. Damn, that's bad, bro. I know. <laughs> I got I, know. I got bad, but I got better than that. Yeah. I think I got like a 24 or five. Maybe which I is got a 22. Still bad. Yeah, <laughs> and I even I even took ACT prep like classes in too. high school. I did uh, too. Those were the worst. And they basically that's the thing I really hate about standardized tests is really depending on how your brain works. Obviously, it will be different. But like most of these tests, there are a lot of like given strategies. Yeah. To to take these tests, but it's like A B C D A B C D, right? All just all C straight down, straight down the whole test. Um, but the thing is, like, if if there are certain strategies to take a test, are we really testing the person's actual intelligence or their ability to apply and memorize a strategy on a given test? And I yeah. think one of the other problems with a lot of standardized tests is a lot of it is based on memory and and things like this, which nowadays isn't as important, to me at least it seems, it's not as important of a skill as having really, really good problem-solving skills and also being creative. Mm-hmm. And, I think, and I think that's the problem with a lot of standardized tests. And Jared, take a guess how many mandatory standardized tests U.S. students will take before they finish high school. 37. 
112, what? approximately. Yep. That's insane. In the U.S., yep, in the US students take approximately was... 112 mandatory standardized tests. And that's the thing. I remember being a little kid, and I remember being in probably, I don't know, second or third grade, maybe, yeah, second or third grade, I think, or fourth grade. And they had to teach us, you know, how to bubble in the forms for Number the two tests. pencil. Exactly. And it's like, why... Why are you testing small children? Um, you know, I, I and the thing is, so much of U.S. educational funding is based on these standardized test results, which mm-hmm. is terrible because you can have very smart students, have very, very competent, uh, passionate, enthusiastic, engaged teachers that then could lose their job because students don't perform well in a standardized test condition, which to me is horrible. They're very stressful. You sit in the same room for hours on end, just circling bubbles. Like, is that really how you're going to measure me as a human being, as as a student, as someone who... We all have our own strengths and weaknesses. And some for some of us, taking these standardized tests might be a strength. But mm-hmm. I can safely say for myself, it is definitely not a strength. No, me neither. I'm so glad, in theory, to be done with all standardized tests. I remember... Yeah, me too. I remember waking up at like 6 in the morning on a Saturday and driving to like the local high school to sit in a classroom. And that, that was... And see, that's the thing about it too also. You know, you take all those... All those preparation ones, like the PSAT, it's just like the practice SAT. Yep. And those you take at your school, or I guess you can take them other places, depending on what school you go to. Then all like the Michigan, the local ones for your state. But then to actually take it, you have to pay for, sign up, pay for it, and drive to usually, like sometimes, I went to a private school, so maybe it's a little different for me, but to a school that's not even mine, you know, just a local uh private or local public school and sit in just some random classroom for literally like three to five hours. I don't remember yep. exactly how long they are, but it's, it. I believe it's like a full morning. So it's anywhere, probably starts at like seven and goes to like 11 or noon. Right. And it's, and I mean, it's such an unrealistic way for like to assess how, how kids would actually perform in the real world because oh, for no sure. experience. And it's so funny too, because now like when, you know, when I've, you know, I've been having interviews and stuff, and when they ask, like, what are your strengths or what are you looking for, no one wants to hear, oh, I'm good at sitting at my desk and doing the same thing for hours on end. <laughs> like, right. They're like, yeah. really? You can't? You have no versatility? You can't? It's like that's not a skill that anyone's looking for. Right. Right. And what's huh? crazy, though, speaking of time, Jared, mm-hmm. in the U.S. at least, which I think is a good place for us to start because we both have some experience with it. I obviously have a bit more than you, but what's crazy is in the U.S., approximately uh, students will waste, well, depending, obviously it's very clear right now where my stance is, where I stand on standardized testing. But um, you betcha. Um, for, for students, they waste a total of 300 hours throughout 12 years of school filling in bubbles for a standardized test. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Which is crazy. And the other thing is, too, I'll never forget, I had a social studies teacher um, Shout out to Mr. Koenig. He was a great teacher. And he he actually uh, grew up in Detroit and had mentioned that a lot of standardized tests are very culturally and kind mm-hmm. of racially biased, right? Mm-hmm. They'll yeah. have story problems that, you know, that have like an example about Thanksgiving. Well, if you grow up in maybe an Asian family or Hispanic family, um, you might not celebrate Thanksgiving in the States, right? Mm-hmm. Or uh, he also said that examples they use 
tend to be, because I think a lot of the item writers tend to also probably be white people, they tend to write the tests more for white people. Um, and the other thing is too, there are certain, uh, I've even, I took a, a class actually on testing and assessment in grad school. And we looked at a lot of tests like uh, the TOEFL and the IELTS, which are st- like kind of standardized English proficiency tests, which a lot of foreign students will have to take in order to come to the States and study. And what's crazy though about these tests is they, they also have some of these tests for children as well who, who need to test out of like ESL classes or EFL, well, ESL classes to get into the regular curriculum with all the other kids. But the crazy thing is we looked at some of these tests and we checked out the items and some of them, you know, in theory, these should all be very clear-cut answers, right? Mm-hmm. But there were a bunch of answers that we read that were based on a reading sample that were completely objective. Mm-hmm. And we took them as, you know, graduate students aged like 22 probably to people in their mid-30s. And we took a children's reading test. And most of us were, not all of us, but most of us were native speakers of English. And we got some of these wrong because they were not... They were so, uh, they just weren't really, it just wasn't, it was too much based on interpretation. It wasn't factual. Right, right. I, um, well, I just, cl- I just closed out it, but I just saw like a random example of one. And it was um, talking about, oh, let me just pull it back up. I can find it in a second. So just a random example of, of, a, of a question that they used. as one example for, uh, one question, for example, asked, which of the following words best matched the word cup? Wall, saucer, table, or window? So the answer is saucer. Saucer. But I think that especially children, a lot of children either don't know what saucers are or don't like have them and would right. say table. And it's like, yeah, you put your cup on a table, not on the right. wall or on a window. Right. And it's not like that's wrong, but it's like, well, that's not what they're looking for because the saucer right. is like if you're having tea or something, you know. And Right. And how many, <laughs> yeah, and how many people, and I'm also curious how many different, you know, cultures, uh, you know, different, you know, ethnic backgrounds in the States would use the term saucer. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of issues with it. And I think, uh, so, yeah, but I want to just talk about, so some of the good, the bad, and the ugly of standardized tests. We've mentioned some of these. Um, I'm trying really hard to also bring some pros. Um, and one of the pros is, and this is r- roughly, is that standardized tests can, and I'm gonna put in parentheses, can sometimes help identify the knowledge levels of each student. Um, if the tests actually do a good job of measuring what they're trying to measure. Um, and so this is why a lot of schools and states in the U.S. use standardized tests to try to measure the knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. And this is also things like the SAT and the ACT as well. Also the GRE if you go to grad school. Um, I was just a tick over uh, above average on the GRE as well. Um, the other, and some people could look at this as a, as a pro or a con, I kind of look at this as a con, but depending on your who you, who you are as a teacher, um, having standardized tests does help teachers structure their curriculum in a way because they know. Does it though? I, that, somewhat. That's why I okay. said somewhat. Um, <laughs> these because, are the most half baked pros, <laughs> right? Right. And the, and these aren't mine. I literally have been googling this and trying to find some positives because you can't think I, of any. <laughs> I, exactly. And I mean, I guess the thing is. 
Well, that's the question, isn't it? Is it good or not good to teach for teach to the test or teach to the exam, Mm, right? mm -hmm. And I would say for me, I would say it's a bad thing. I prefer to have my classes be engaging, dynamic, fun, um, and not just teach students so they can fill in some bubbles and pass a test. However, if the tests you're using are decent ways to evaluate your students, then perhaps it's not a bad thing to um, teach the students some of these things, right? I mean, there are basic reading skills, math skills, science skills, analytical skills that are measured in some of these tests. So at least in that regard, you could say that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Now, now these two I think are funny. And I got this from a website called The Bite. Um, And these two are funny. Uh, We're going to... We're going to throw a little party at this website right now because these two are listed as pros, but I would disagree with these. They say answers are accurate and non-biased. I would say that is not true. Uh, Uh, Yeah, I agree with you on that. Yep. I would say that's not true. And they also say they motivate teachers to do their job. I will say that's also not true. I've never heard that before. I heard a lot about how it motivates teachers to not focus on, like, to focus on a very short, narrow-sided curriculum because their jobs and potential pay increases depend on it. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I've I've heard the exact opposite of that. Exactly. So let's go back to the, let's continue, I guess, with the bad. Okay. Another bad aspect of standardized tests is there's really no feedback, right? Mm -hmm. If you get the score you get, it's what you get, and you have that at face value, and that's all, right? right. There's no, no idea what you got right or wrong on the test. They just send you the your score in the mail. Exactly. And the exactly. scores are pretty arbitrary, too. Like, you can't, like, like, you don't really understand what the numbers mean. You just know that, you know, the higher, the better, and this is the highest it could be. Right. Yeah, exactly. Another big issue, I think, with standardized tests is creativity is undervalued. And for many tests, I would also argue that problem-solving skills are also not as valued, right? It's more right. it's more memorization and things like this, which like yeah, I guess it's not necessarily a bad thing if you have a good memory, but uh, I think being creative and being a problem solver will help people so much more in the future rather than being able to just memorize random facts, right? Mm-hmm. And then two other um, cons of standardized tests is one it can be socially and economically well it can basically it's kind of for privileged people in a lot of ways yeah if you're socially or economically privileged right you mentioned having those kind of prep classes i had prep classes i did too if you come from if you come from a you know a family that's struggling financially they're not going to have the extra money to be able to afford for these things or uh, uh to be able to afford these things or also being able to you know, maybe hire a tutor to help you or all these different things. Uh, And the other problem is too, some of these other tests that you have to take for college, if you want to retake them, you have to pay for them. Yes. And so I I think the one thing that really irritates me about the educational system in America and the things we've set in place is there's a lot of issues because you have to pay for a lot of things. And there's no mm-hmm. assistance for people who don't have the finances to do so, which I think when you limit someone's education based solely on their financial situation, you're doing not only those people a disservice, but our entire country. 
Because yeah. think of how many brilliant people are out there that maybe just didn't have the financial means to achieve what they wanted to achieve uh, academically, right? And, and then now, the last... And now you're ahead, limiting sorry. their ability to improve on the financial situation that they grew up in by not, you know, not having access to these tests where it's like, well, I, now I can't get into the college I want to because I didn't have the money to pay to properly prepare for the ACT or SAT, then I didn't have the money to pay to take the to take it. Uh, and now I'm in the same situation that my parents were because uh, they couldn't afford to take this test or to get me to take this test. Exactly. It's, it's just a shame. It's, it's a shame and it should not be the case. And the last one, which I think is fairly obvious, is actually the last two. One, these, these scenarios are stressful. And yes, I get it. Life is stressful. It's good to understand how to concentrate and yeah, deal with these stressful situations. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, look, why are we forcing small children to do these stressful tests? That's what right. I don't get. Mm-hmm. I think there are other ways you could measure their, you know, you could, you could assess them without, you know, having them sit in a room for two hours or three hours or four hours filling in a bubble, right? And the other thing yes. is, too, with standardized tests, it... It shapes the curriculum in a way that maybe isn't necessarily the most beneficial for students' future, uh, students' futures, and also it can discourage personal interests as well, right? Because maybe I'm super into, I don't know, woodworking or, or art. Well, there's no standardized test or podcasting, exactly. And there's no... You betcha. There's no test out there where you can really measure your podcasting abilities or your art abilities or woodworking abilities. And so, um, you know, I think in some ways it would be better to give these students more opportunities to explore extracurricular activities and services and things like this than making them sit in a room all day long and filling in bubbles. Um, yeah, but no one <clears throat> no one appreciates, at least here in, in the U.S., uh, a creativity is not an appreciated thing. And it's such an undervalued thing. And it's it's everything is just I I feel like pushed to. The reason standardized tests make sense to me is because it is a lot of our culture is just pushing people to have you know, not dead end jobs but jo- like cubicle jobs that they don't really care about and it's just like mm-hmm. this is you know you have your life outside of work but just show up and do this job for nine hours and then go have your life instead of your job and your life being things that you joy, enjoy equally or in different ways or are both kind of part of one. Like if you're a woodworker for, per, for a profession, that's your hobby, but you also use it to make money. Right. Exactly. Now, I guess one other pro, though, um, about standardized testing is teachers can somewhat evaluate the students' strengths and weaknesses if the students... If, if the test is an accurate representation of the students themselves, which can be difficult because like we mentioned, we're both terrible standardized test takers, mm-hmm. but I think it can identify strengths and weaknesses of students. Um, and this can also help school, if the tests are taken seriously, there's a lot of if clauses here, so I apologize <laughs> for that. But that's the problem with these testing conditions is they're not all perfect um, and things like this, but it can also help administrators of schools determine which subjects may need more attention, things like this. Um, That makes sense. Yeah. So I will say that is one caveat of standardized tests that I will actually say is a plus. So, um, yeah, I'll give you that. That that one I'm I'm on board with. We found one. We found one. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, Do you want to talk about homework? 
let's let's get into that in a moment. First, I okay. want to I want to stick with standardized tests, and I want to discuss with you um, some some countries. So as we've mentioned, oh, right. the U.S. we do tons and tons of standardized tests, but I have uh, I have ten examples of countries with that has different types of standardized testing. So in the U.K. Students don't take 112, but they take roughly around a dozen. Um, and they start at the age of 16. Um, uh, almost every child in England will take approximately 15 to 20 substantial examinations. Uh, these exams are required to continue on in school. The last two years of school, students will also take A-levels if they want to continue on to university or have the opportunity to pursue diplomas. And what I find interesting is the standardized tests we use in the States for college, ACT and SAT, are a little bit different than other standardized tests in Europe especially. I know in Germany, they take what they call the Abitur. Uh, Matura is what it's called in Austria, and Maturita here in the Czech Republic. And these standardized tests, basically, if you don't have those, you can't go on to university, right? right. Um, whereas in the States... I guess in theory, there are probably some ways you could get into some some universities without taking the ACT or SAT. I know there are definitely some graduate programs in the States where you don't have to take the GRE, which is kind of interesting. Um, but what's interesting Do we is, need the standardized test to go to Albion? We need to take at least one of them? I thought we did. I thought we had to take... Mm. I took the ACT because I thought I needed to. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're yeah. right. I took but, both, but my parents are overachievers for me let's let's put it that way <laughs> right they just want the best for you buddy that's for sure but yeah so it's it's interesting though that how the which standardized tests are used to get into which universities in different countries is kind of interesting now what's crazy though jared about finland and we'll talk more about finland later this episode mm -hmm. um, related to homework mm -hmm. but in finland they actually only have one standardized test, which is the, the National Matriculation Examination, which is a huge deal. Um, but I, I like the fact that they have one test and they don't beat their children over the head with standardized tests. Do you know at what age they take it? Um, What's it called I believe again? It is called the National Matriculation Examination. I would imagine it would probably be one of their last years of school, would be my guess. I'll look it up. Now, what's interesting, though, is Finland does not have tons of standardized testing, yet they rank very, very highly among other nations when they do um, conduct standardized testings, standardized tests. Uh, for example, in 2009, Finland came second in science, third in reading, and sixth in math um, on standardized tests. It's taken at the end of secondary education. So I assume that's like, yep. our, yeah, for entering a university. So yep. like yep. at the end so of high school go. for the Americans. Right. And so next up is Japan. And in Japan, they are tested more frequently than Finland. I think most countries are since Finland only really has one. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the first big standardized tests that Japanese children take is to determine if they even get into high school, which also gives children a lot of pressure. And if you don't pass the exam, you can't even go to high school. That's crazy. So that's, yeah, so, so that's a big problem. with school? I, I guess. Get a job, little Timmy. <laughs> right. Little Japanese Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, so that's, that's pretty wild. Um, 
And then in the U.S., we require our students to take at least, if not more, than one standardized test per year. Mm-hmm. Um, so 41 U.S. states f- uh, currently follow Common Core educational standards, and the Common Core has standardized tests associated with it. Um, so, yeah, and a lot of this came from the introduction of No Child Left Behind, which was signed into law in 2001, mm-hmm. where students mm-hmm. are required to take one yearly standardized test. I really do not understand. Sorry, I'm going to get on my pedestal right now. Please. and. Uh, Uh, And I don't know why our politicians in the States think that they are the ones who should be writing laws based on education. They're not teachers. Mm -hmm. They're not educators. They're not administrators. I really don't get why our government thinks that they have the know-how to decide what's best for our students when I guarantee you most of these politicians have never set foot in a classroom as a teacher. Yeah, especially George Bush, who is a full-fledged idiot. (laughs) <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. Uh, and then in in China, uh-huh. moving on, one test kind of means everything, which is the test um, getting into college. So it's a college entrance exam. Um, and believe it or not, China is home to the mother of all standardized tests, the Gaokao or the higher examination, which, as I mentioned, is a college entrance exam, which is high pressure. And guess how long the test takes, Jared? Three days. It's 12 hours long. Okay. Features sections on Chinese, English, math, and a choice of either sciences, so biology, chemistry, or physics, or humanities, geography, history, or politics. Um, It's multiple choice and taken over two days. Upon completion, students are given their three-digit score, which determines which college they'll get into and even their earning potential. Because this test is so high stakes, there's a lot of fanfare. Um... Construction is halted in towns and ambulances wait on standby. Students who score highly are praised <laughs> publicly. I kid you not. And they still think this is a good thing? Like, we're, we're, we know we're going to have to use these ambulances for someone. <laughs> no, no, no. They have them. On, well, yeah, exactly. I, th- kinda... I thought they meant by that having ambulances on standby means that they're there, but they also don't. Yeah, never mind. Okay. Interesting. I mean, standby means they're not definitely using them, but it, the fact right. that they think they're going to have to for a damn test seems ridiculous. Right. right. Yeah. What's pretty crazy in Brazil, they also have a standardized test program um, with a... Uh, so it's actually a new exam called the NM, and it's a standardized college entrance exam. But the problem with Brazil is that there's been some scandal that there have been accusations of stolen copies um on the exam and they've had some issues with very very low test scores um which has opened up a conversation which we mentioned earlier kind of about income differences and literacy um regarding test prep in the country of brazil and shout out to people like Lori laughlin that uh you know she's the remember there was that huge scandal with uh she's the mom from full house and some other famous lady that's right that's right paying to get their kids into college and i think part of that was paying for someone to take the standardized test for them that's oh that's so crazy Mm -hmm. that's so crazy um so then i'll 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 end with mexico and india so mexico has uh sadly been introducing more and more standardized testing into its schools 15 year olds have to take um exani i to continue their uh public education then they also have a school completion exam Exani 2, which determines if an 18-year-old student can move on to college and universities. 
So yeah, so there, it seems like the pattern is with a lot of these, um, they determine for younger children, which school they can attend as they get older. And then for 18 year olds, which college they can get into, I'm, which, mm-hmm. uh, oh, I'm, I was going to say this. I'm still caught up on that gal cow one determining your potential earning, like your earning potential for, for the rest of your career. That's terrifying. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's like it's crazy to think how, you know, we've, I don't know if we are on the podcast, but a lot of people have talked about how it's ridiculous. Excuse me, I just burped into the microphone. It's ridiculous for um, college students to choose a major and decide their career path for, uh, you know, and at the age of 18 or 19 or whatever. But think about even younger than that, before you get to college, taking a test to determine, you know, not only, you know, what your major could even, what your major options are. I assume that's how it works too, but then mm-hmm. also to determine how much money you could even make, and it'd be like, well, now I know at at um, eighteen that this is essentially my uh, you know my window for how much I can earn for the rest of my life. Great, yeah, I'm it's crazy, it's crazy. And the last one, what's interesting about India is test scores in India also have some social implications. So basically, if you get a high score on a test, it's almost like you can kind of flex on people, and it's like a status symbol, right? Mm. They are um, very which class is kind of interesting. There. Right. And so what's interesting is, according to um, this mother in India, she said that if we go to a party these days, everyone <sighs> asks me, um, what is your child's academic status? Uh, so, so that's a crazy different kind of social implication. And so, yeah, I, I personally, I think uh, standardized tests, they serve certain purposes, but whether or not they accurately de- depict or, or give a, a true evaluation on the student skill levels, I'm kind of on the fence with them, and I think there would be other ways that we can um, promote student success and achievement. And I don't really think standardized tests, at least in the in the context of the U.S., I don't think they improve our education system by any means. But enough with about you, standardized tests. Let's go on to homework and uh, talk about why or why not um, we should be giving homework or or assigning homework for me as a teacher. I can tell all of our listeners out there, I rarely assign homework. And if I do, I try to come up with something fun and interesting. Mm, and also okay. we'll discuss some of the countries uh, and, and how much homework they give and things like this. My so first I, question I, for mm, you, were, yeah. were you, were you a good student? I wasn't in high bad. School? I wasn't bad. Um, in high Diligent school, I think, with your work. Yeah. For the most part, it was crazy though, man. My schedule was wake up at, I don't know how I did it looking back. I would wake up at 4.30 or 5 a.m. I woke up at 8.30. <laughs> right? right? Um, so, I, so I would start my day usually at 4.30 or 5 a.m. Jesus. Would, would do usually maybe 45 minutes of homework before school, have breakfast, shower, and all that jazz. Then I would go to school. I'd get to school around 7 a.m. I think our first class started at like 7.35 or 7.45. Um then after that's that, that's crazy it, too. How early school starts? It's and it shouldn't. It should start. We could do a whole episode on that. We uh, yeah. we should do an episode of issues in the U.S. education system. Okay. We could we could throw some serious parties at uh, <laughs> at our uh, policymakers for U.S. education. But anyways, um, so yeah, so I'd get to school around seven seven, and school would start seven thirty five, seven forty five. Um, we were done at I think like two thirty or three. And then uh, in the spring, I would have tennis training from like three to five, would get home, would eat dinner, do homework for two to three hours, go to bed around 9.30 or 10, wake up and start the whole thing all over again. Um, Yeah, that's crazy. 
And then I also, my sophomore through senior year, I worked at a local pharmacy, 16 hours a week. Don't know how I did that on top of everything. And then my junior year, I started a rock band with a couple uh, pals in high school. And mm-hmm. so we would have band practice usually, I think, three to five times a week as well. So yeah, and I don't know how I juggled homework with all that. Um, I can tell you though, I think that teachers, one, I think a lot of teachers lose um, perspective that they are not their student's only teacher, right? They're not their only subject that the student has. Right. So they'll assign, you know, homework that maybe will take 30, 40 minutes, maybe an hour, maybe two hours. A Heshke cook. Um, I would say not a Heshke cook, but... Um, <laughs> What's interesting, though, is is parents in the U.S. have complained that, you know, their students will get one to two hours for every subject. I think I had like five or six classes. So if you do the math, if it's two hours and there's six classes, that's 12 hours of homework. Mm-hmm. There's no time to sleep, to eat, to do anything else, and to have a life. Right. I think that's a big problem with a lot of homework, uh, in, especially in high school, in the U.S. at least, is there's just way too much of it. And I think the issue is they aren't... A lot of teachers aren't mindful enough of how to spend good class time. I remember telling my German friend how much homework I had in high school, and he was like, why didn't you guys just be more productive in class so you wouldn't exactly. have all that homework? What are you doing at school? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was a similar way. I mean, there's no way in hell I was waking up at four in the morning, but um, I could barely, but I'd woke up, you know, my school started at like early 7.30ish or something like that. And so I was waking up at like 5.45, and, and I didn't do homework in the morning either. But, like, I had a bunch of homework. And, and, you know, you get home from school or, like me, I, you know, I had soccer and I did track as well. So you get home from those things, which means I got home around 6 or 7. Um, you eat dinner, and then you're just doing homework for the rest of the night. I remember one time on my birthday, um, I, I uh, my parents made me uh, – you know, one of my favorite meals, my dad. And they invited some of their friends over. Their friends, by the way. Adults that were their friends. <laughs> right. And we had dinner together. And I had to go back upstairs to do homework. And I was doing all this homework. And I could just hear them downstairs cracking up, having a great time. Right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was it was exhausting. And um, my parents were, were super strict on homework. Like, they, um, like, I wasn't able to, like, really do anything with my weekend until all my homework was done so i did all of it oh, like damn. on friday your parents were sticklers okay yeah they like checked up most of it um then uh like they were they were hardcore almost to i think a detriment i kind of but like i i think it was just it's not i mean it's not really their fault i mean maybe it is their fault but like um <laughs> it was just like there was so much going on that like it was crazy, but like to the point where um, they still kind of do it. To be honest with you, like uh, I mentioned in wh- in that. What way? Um, well, I mentioned that I'm doing something right now for a potential job, and um, they actually texted me earlier today. My dad's like, "Hey, send me what you got, and we'll talk about it later." I never asked for help. I never like, right. and I guess like I appreciate it, but yeah. it's also like I never a- asked for this. Like I like right. And at this point, it's like, this is for a job. Like, if I can't do this, then uh, maybe I shouldn't have this job. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so it, it, it is like, it is like to the point where it's like, like, it is, it is, I guess it makes me feel nice to know that they care that much. Sure. But it's also like, shouldn't I be doing this? Um, right. But like when I was a kid, like even when I was in sixth grade, I remember like there was a lot of assistance. Sometimes it felt like they did some of it. And I'm like, I'm, 
And it kind of like even took, even though like I, it was a lot of homework, especially like, you know, even for sixth grade, like it was just like, I feel like I don't even know this as well as I could if I just like did it myself and suffered. Right. Um, but sure. I think they also thought I was stupid. I think they, <laughs> I, I, I'm not even kidding. Like, I think they thought I was dumb. Um, but yeah. Um, uh, what what kind of what kind of education did you get about giving homework and when you were in grad school? Didn't didn't really get much, hmm. actually. To be honest, I we had a lot more uh, you know coursework on assessment, how to assess students, um, how to how to create lesson plans and curricula, but not really. That's that's a really interesting point. I never thought about that. Hmm. But yeah, we didn't really get a lot of. What, what type of homework should you assign, things like this. And I wonder if it's because, in theory, after going to graduate school, you've been in school for, you know, what, 16 to 18 years. Pains me to say that. But <laughs> you've been in school long enough, I guess, to have an idea of what to assign, what type of homework there is out there. Because you've done it yourself. You've gone through it. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, we, we never really – and that's why, for me, I always try to think of – what skills are my students getting out of this homework? I don't assign homework that's busy work. And I hated teachers with the like entire... Like worksheets or stuff like that. Yeah, with, with the entire essence of my being <laughs> when they would assign busy work. Yeah. Right? It's like, why don't you just, you know, give us five minutes in class or 10 minutes and have us do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's one thing if there's a task in class and you don't have time or something... You have to finish it up at home. That usually doesn't take that long but anyways. It's usually completely different assignments you're getting for home than right. you're getting at school. Right. And now, now I can give you some examples of homework I've assigned students um, in for English and for German. So so I was teaching a beginning level speaking in uh, listening class. And one of the first lessons I taught them, Eng- English, okay. speaking and listening class. And uh, I had given the students... Uh, we had discussed small talk in our lesson. And because we were in Michigan and people are normally fairly friendly and we were on uh, MSU's campus, which is also a very welcoming place, you can talk to just about anybody. I would have failed this assignment. I can already tell. Right. And so <laughs> I told my students, I gave them I gave them a few days and I said, I want you to try to make small talk with someone. Then afterwards, reflect upon what you discussed, reflect upon the experience, because I'm a firm believer that We learn from our experiences, but in order, an important piece of learning from our experiences is is reflection upon them. Mm Because if you just do something and you don't think about it afterwards, there's a lot of insight you could lose, right? And so Jared clearly doesn't believe me. (laughs) No, 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 no. No, when I was in Michigan, about a month before I moved here to Philadelphia, I started taking therapy or going to therapy. And that was one of the assignments, literally the exact same thing she gave me was to strike a conversation with someone and reflect on it. Like, it literally, almost as I'm listening to this, it sounds like you guys planned this together. We're, we're homies. <laughs> we did. We did. Um, but, yeah, and so, so I would have them do stuff like that. I would have them watch YouTube videos or listen to a song, and then we would – usually the homework I give is is – it's kind of like a content-based – there's knowledge or vocab I want you to learn before our next lesson so we can mm-hmm. discuss it and use it, right? right? But once again, this goes into the practice part. I don't do you give think- them a grammar, you know, fill in the blanks with these words. I, we're not going to do that. That's mm. a waste of their time. It's a waste of my time to have to grade it. I don't want to give them those kinds <laughs> of like assignments. I feel like that's really what it is. Uh, do, you, uh, <laughs> do, you, do you think that it, 
that sh- I understand where you're coming from, but do you think you're at an unfair advantage because you're a language teacher and say not a science or of math course. teacher? Of course. Well, the difference is with science and math and well, not maybe not so much math, but science or social studies, you have to do a lot of reading, mm-hmm. right? Whereas being, you're right, I am at a slight advantage or have a different type of privilege because I'm a language teacher. Now, I, I have given a lot of homework, though, that has been listening homework, where once again, watch this video, listen to this thing, and then, um, you know, f- fill out this worksheet. But that's more of a, I want to make sure they understand the main points, or I want them to focus on something, right? Um, focus on pronunciation or word stress, which word stress in English is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so those types of things, but I try not to give like a, just a basic fill in the blank or, or something like this. I try to really make sure that my students are getting something out of the homework. Whereas you're right. If it's a science class or history class or math class, math class, you'd probably be practicing whatever formula or problems uh, you learn in class, whether it's like the Pythagorean theorem or something like this. Um, Science would probably be reading about, I don't know, like photosynthesis or whatever. Um, You know, um, I'm just pulling this straight out of thin air here. Um, But but yeah, you're right. But I think think there are a lot of countries that show us that you can utilize class time to do these things and not give students a ton of homework. But before we get into that, we talked about the pros and cons of standardized tests. Mm-hmm. I'd like to discuss with you, Jared, the pros and cons and see, see what your thoughts are on these. So here we go. I'm just going to go through the list. I want to get your two cents, Jared. So okay. the pros of homework, it encourages the discipline of practice and independent study. Agree or disagree? I'll agree with that. Okay. I would, I would too. I think it helps that both of, both of us grew up with parents that also um, made sure we did our homework. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't go out and play street hockey with my with my buddies in my neighborhood unless my homework was done. Same, um, but soccer. Yep. Right, <laughs> right. Um, number two, it gets parents involved with a child's life. I think our examples, this is true. I, mean, I guess it's true, but wasn't a positive experience. <laughs> right, right. And I, I got in a lot of arguments with my parents when we would do homework. Too. Yeah. That, oh, that was the worst. That's what I'm saying. Like they were very involved, but I didn't. I don't have fond memories of that involvement. <laughs> right. Me either. But I will say this. Another pro, I would say, and this is this is not from the list, but coming straight off the dome here, is I think it does give the parents an insight into what their children are learning in school, and yes. otherwise they don't get that insight and don't really know what's going on in school. And I think there is something to you know. We talk. I talk about how. Um, yeah, I, it does bring up a lot of memories of them being involved. Not many of them good, but I do think that <laughs> for some for some kids that have the complete opposite of what you know, I, I still think I'm lucky that I had parents that cared that much, because mm-hmm. there are some parents that have no involvement in what their kids doing uh, in their schoolwork, and a lot of those kids suffer because of it. They don't have anyone like even if my parents weren't as involved as they were, um, I still had people I could always go to for questions and stuff like that. And a lot of kids don't have that. So I, I will agree with that. I'm, I'm an extreme example. That's why I, I, I feel that way about, the, about right. that pro, though. Sure. Which also leads me to my next pro, which it also gives the teacher insight to the student's home life, which sometimes can be very useful information as a teacher. Uh, you think so? I, I think mean, so. I, I guess. But what are they going to do look, with that information? 
Well, hopefully give the student uh, additional help if they need it, right? Mm. If, if, you know, a student brings in the homework on time every week and clearly, you know, it seems like the parents are checking it and stuff, then there may not be red flags of what's happening at home, right? But if the right. student's always losing the homework or comes in half finished, you know, maybe the parents don't play a big Pull role in the student's the, life. Uh, or paper. Exactly. You know, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Another pro I would say, and I would agree with this personally, um, not to try to skew your opinion, Jared, but I think homework does teach time management skills. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. But I'd still think there's too much of it, but I'd agree with that. Right. Especially I, yeah. coming from families that were very diligent about it. It's like I, I wanted to get it over with even more because sure. that was like the gateway to me actually having fun. Being free, for sure. Yeah. And we'll get into that side of it in a moment when we discuss the cons. Now, this one, well, I won't I won't give my two cents. I want to hear your two cents, which is the whole point of this. <laughs> um, homework allows for a comfortable place to study. Huh? Uh, yeah. I consider homework and study two different things, first I would of agree. All. I would agree. So I'm going to disagree with that. I also disagree. And I think the other thing is this article is taking um, a lot of liberties here uh, and assuming that everyone has a, you know, a a nice place to study and do their homework, right? right? Not everyone has a stable home environment in which they can, you know, comfortably and safely complete their homework. Uh, I I think the point they're trying to make is, oh, you're doing homework at home which should be a comforting and nice place. But sadly, the truth of the matter is it's not always going to be comfortable in a nice place. Not everyone has a great house or or has their parents there to support them and help them with their homework. Yeah, like I had a desk in my room. My house was generally quiet. Um, uh, I I had access to information if I needed it, but that's I, I definitely grew up privileged. Right. You and I both. We, we're both very fortunate for sure. Um, Okay, so I think that's enough of the pros. Now let's Mm -hmm. move on to the cons of homework. Um, One, which I think is very clear from what we've already discussed, it takes away uh, leisure time and family time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you go home and then you go straight to your room for hours. Right, just to do homework, which isn't Mm -hmm. great. Um, Now granted, some kids... If, if they didn't have homework, they might still go into their room and be alone for hours. Um, That's but true. But at least that would give them time maybe to pursue their passions, mm-hmm. um, their hobbies. You know, I used to come home and play guitar for a while, which was always great. Um, the other con of homework is it's not always effective academically, and I would also say time-wise. I think sometimes you can waste a lot of time doing homework, and it doesn't really teach you much. Um, and I think we should not be giving young children... Like homework in primary school, there's a lot of studies that show, um, especially by a researcher named John Hattie, that homework in primary school has about zero influence on students, um, one, completing projects um, in school, and also um, really it doesn't give them that much to learn from. Um, I don't remember. better in secondary school. Excuse me. I don't remember getting a lot of homework until middle school, so sixth grade is when I really start remembering. Uh, and it came it came in hot and fast, yeah, too. Yeah, it did. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, 
like uh, there wasn't much homework up until then and then at sixth grade middle school it was just like full throttle in all my classes oh for sure it was awful the other thing the other con as well is homework can cause a lot of unnecessary stress and burnout from school yeah yeah i mean listen to you you woke up early to do homework yep yep and and i can tell you man Going to give you and the listeners some insight into into my high school life. I was taking AP classes, trying to get ready for Ooh. college and everything. And uh, <laughs> well, that's that's not the bad thing. There were nights when I would get home from tennis, be exhausted. Um, obviously, when you wake up at four or five a.m. and you, mm. then you go to school and go to tennis and everything, um, I would be exhausted. I get home, I'd eat my dinner, and I'd start my homework, and I would. Um, I would break down and be in tears. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the reasons a lot of days when I would have to wake up early because I was so mentally exhausted, I could not do it. And right. so I would be on the verge of tears or legit just sobbing because it's like, and I and I thought that this homework was so important. I had to complete it. I had to get these good grades. If I don't do this homework, it will ruin my future. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's and it, in, in hindsight now, I know it wasn't as important as I thought it was. But I would get super, super stressed about it to the point where, you know, it caused me a lot of uh, problems. And so that's why I would usually wake up early. And that was probably junior year, senior year, since I had already been through the whole rigmarole of everything. <laughs> I just knew, all right, it's it's 9 p.m. I'm exhausted. I'm yeah. just going to get up early and do it. And I have to say some of my best work in high school was when I got up early and finished my homework because hmm. I woke up fresh. I had, I've had many experiences falling asleep at my desk at home doing homework, just like because you just do it for, for hours. Just, right, you know, you're sitting at a desk all night, and it's and uh, yeah, I've definitely fallen asleep at home at right. my desk trying to do homework. Exactly. Another another kind of homework is, you know, there's a lot that shows that it's children benefit. Right. <laughs> well, Jared, we're done with school, so no homework for us. We apologize to all of our student listeners right now, especially if you're listening to this while you're doing homework. Um, uh. That would be really ironic. But um, <laughs> another thing is, you know, children benefit from playing and experimenting and doing things. And when you have hours and hours of homework every night, you can't get outside, you can't play, you can't practice your instrument or do whatever your hobbies or passions are, which mm-hmm. I think is a big problem. And another thing, kind of piggybacking on that, is a lot of homework every week also encourages a sedentary lifestyle, meaning you don't get up, you don't exercise. Um, that explains a lot right right now. right no kidding um and like we mentioned as well another con is not every home is a beneficial learning environment mm-hmm. i had a buddy of mine i won't say his name but i had a buddy of mine his parents went through a divorce in high school and i remember him telling me like came to school and he was like hey man like i need help with this homework and i'm like couldn't you couldn't you finish it at your dad's and he was like no um and and then i realized his dad's house it was a nice house and everything but it was just not the right environment to learn it. Like his dad was always kind of distracting him. And because they had joint custody, obviously his dad wanted to spend time with him when he could. And mm-hmm. when you're sitting at a desk doing homework for hours, as we've also already mentioned, you lose that family time. So and it can be very, very difficult. Going back and forth between homes. Right. And especially in the U.S., uh, like more than half of the relationships are ending in divorce these days. So Right. And the other, the other uh, I guess a couple other things, uh, my last two cons, I would say, 
is, you know, school is already basically a full-time job for kids. I mean, the amount of time that they spend in school, mm-hmm. why are you giving them a lot, of, especially, like I said, a lot of this busy work, right? Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's really asking a lot for children, and it, it can be a really difficult thing and put a lot of stress and pressure on students. And my last con that I will give is unless you have a really creative teacher, I would say homework in a lot of ways discourages creative endeavors, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's most homework that that I remember getting had nothing to do with creativity. It was just like answer these very specific questions and fill in the blank or stuff, something like that. Um, e- even, even like the literature-based classes where you're reading, a lot of the assignments, unless it's some sort of writing assignment, were like, were like uh, giving an answer to a very specific plot point, which you could e- either usually find by skimming the book and like finding those words and or spark notes, which was every child's. I don't know if spark notes is still hot these days, but uh, Probably. it was a game changer, I assume for you, but I know oh, for, for me sure. and, and most students in uh, high school back when we were in high school, spark notes was a game changer. Oh, for sure. And the other thing, which now will lead us to the different countries, is extra time in school and also extra time doing homework does not necessarily equate to better grades or being a better student or being more intelligent. Mm -mm. So let's move on and talk about countries. So, Jared, I've got a list here of countries that spend the most time doing homework. Um, I want you to guess... I'll just have you guess the top five. So which country do you think is number well, one? I know what number one is. What is it? It's Ch- China, but Shanghai specifically, I believe. Okay. Do you know how much uh, homework time per week they give students in China? Uh, I remember, I see I have a list on my notes, but I when you said you were going to quiz me, I, I, I just I closed out of it. Right. Uh, so I know it's in the teens. 13... Point eight, almost 14 hours per week crazy. in China of doing homework. Now, interestingly, China is one of those weird outliers where there's kind of usually a level to which you do homework and it's beneficial. But China is one of those weird anomalies where they assign all this homework and actually it does lead to improved student success, mm. which I find very fascinating because most other places you see actually a drop in productivity and and students' improvement in academic subjects when you assign a certain number of homework. So, Jared, which country do you think is number two? Um, I would say... um, I think we established it's not Japan, because that would be my guess. It's not Japan. Because they're pretty low on the standardized test part. Um, Huh... I don't know. What, uh, uh, um, let me just take a guess. Yep. Uh, Russia. Very good. Oh, all right. Hey, there we go. <laughs> you, sure you're, you sure your notes are thrown away? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Russia is number two with 9.7 hours per week. Number three? Um, Poland. Singapore is number three. Okay. With 9.4. Number four? Uh, what what continent for just a Asia? I believe it's Asia. Yeah. Okay, you believe it's Asia? Asia, Middle East. Oh, India. Kazakhstan. Okay, Kazakhstan hmm. is number four with eight point eight hours, and five. Finally, we have a European nation. Number five. 
European nation. It's not Russia. Nope. Russia's Europe, right? Eurasia. But that's not a continent. What continent does it technically belong to? Asia. Okay. I think. <laughs> I would say Eurasia, but uh, Europe, Is it England? That's not Italy. Italy, really? Italy, yeah. That's hard Italy. to believe. No offense. Right? <laughs> 8.7 hours. So then I'll... Now, where do you think the U.S. ranks? It's got to be like six or seven. No, we're actually 15. Oh, wow. On fifteenth, uh, on the 15th spot with 6.1 hours. I spent more than that a week, for sure. Oh, me too. Me too. But this is the average, right? right. So China's one, Russia's two, Singapore is three, Kazakhstan's four, Italy is five, Ireland with 7.3 hours per week is six. Romania hmm. is 7, 7.3. Estonia, number 8, 6.9. Lithuania, 6.7. Poland is number 10, 6.6. Spain is 11, 6.5. A lot of, a lot of these from... Oh, one second. Sorry, I'm getting a FaceTime call from my mom. Let me just decline <laughs> this real quick. Um, sorry about that, everybody. Um, okay, so... Uh, I'll message her later. Um, sorry, Mom. Okay, so next up, uh, so we have Spain. Basically, spot spot 8 through 17 are all in the six-hour range. Mm, so, mm-hmm. so that's kind of interesting. And then Has- the least, number 20, um, is the Netherlands with 5.8. Okay. And Finland's probably pretty low down there, too, I would assume. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in some places in Finland, I'm pretty sure they have <clears throat> they have banned homework, um, so Whoa. they do not give. That's I think. awesome. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Um, so yeah, so it's pretty interesting. Um, so yeah, Finland, on average, uh, has 2.8 hours of homework a week, and then um, South Korea has 2.9, which is kind of interesting. You would not think that South Korea would only have 2.9 um, yeah. hours. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty I, crazy, I, I right? agree with that. I wouldn't expect that either. No offense to our... <laughs> right. What's interesting, <clears throat> though, is South Korea actually ranks as the best education system, even though students do an average of only 2.9 hours of homework per week. And Russia ranks at number 13, despite the students having a crazy amount of homework, around 9 Point seven or 9.8 hours per week. So it just goes to show you that I don't think there's a positive correlation between the hours of homework and the academic achievements um, of your students. That seems pretty clear. Yeah, that, that doesn't... Maybe, yeah, maybe it helps, maybe it hurts, but there's no direct correlation between homework and a good education. Right. Uh, I, and I bet you that I would wonder, but also make the hypothesis that some of those countries... Um, with low levels of homework that still have a high education system, I bet you the teachers have a much higher standard of living as teachers than, mm-hmm. say, the United States, for example. Right. Yeah, I would. I would completely agree because I feel like that has a that could potentially have a bigger influence on the education system and like the quality of it overall. Mm-hmm. This te- all this overall the homework and testing. Right. Yeah, and I think in the states we. We just give way too much. Um, even though we're not that high up on the list, right. uh, I still think it's too much. Um, and yeah, it seems like Finland is doing a lot of things right. They had a lot of education reforms, I believe, in the mid to late 90s, I think. 
Um, and yeah, what's interesting though is, is yeah, so Finland right here, they say rather than overloading their children with work when they are home, Finnish parents trust that teachers will give the children all the education they need while they are at school. Weird. <laughs> I know, right? It's like they go to what school a for a reason. idea. I know, right? <laughs> um, and yeah, so South Korea, I think it's also similar. Um, and I think the, the correlation I see with Finland and South Korea, it seems like there's a lot of trust in the system and in the teachers. Yeah, uh, which I think I don't think we have in the states. No, but I think that, as I mentioned a second ago, comes down to they're probably better equipped than American right. teachers tend to be. Yeah, very true. Very, very true. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of fascinating, and I hope um, that all of you out there, if you are a teacher or ideally a policymaker, maybe you shouldn't be giving so much homework. Um, I yeah. think a lot of students would benefit from it. Listen up, teachers. Take note. That's Stand right. down and teach in the classroom like you're supposed to. Exactly. Put the bonbons down and teach a goddamn class every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I think that's enough <laughs> preaching from you and I. And you I betcha. think let's go into something uh, a little bit more positive, which mm -hmm. is our song of the pod this week. Which, Jared, do you know how to pronounce the name of the song? Um, is it... I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah, I do. Chayovna. Very good. Very good. Is you that deserve you, a, a Husky cloak for that one. A Husky cloak. That was it? Chayovna? Chayovna. And Chayovna, Chayovna. Chai means tea. And that Chayovna means tea house. Oh, okay. Which are very, very popular here in the Czech Republic. I really enjoy tea houses. They have a kind of a cool vibe. And uh, yeah, so this song is by Blue Effect. But I believe the guy who actually wrote it um, his name is, um, uh, oh, let so me look it up. Ra Radim Hladek, Hla how you say blue effect? Hladek. No, no, no. Radim Hladek is actually the one who wrote the song. Oh, is that the name you're looking for? <laughs> that was the name I was looking oh. for. Good work, Jared. So Jared, uh, give, give our listeners a little, uh, taste of what the song Chayovna is like. So it's, uh, it's, it's, a uh, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. It's, um... Uh, electronic. There's no, um, there's no lyrics, but it's very chill. It's not like I, a, I, thi I think you mean instrumental because it's not electronic. Right. That's true. It's not. Yeah. That's why I wanted to clarify when I said electronic. It's not like techno. Right. Um. It's it's very chill, and it's um very. It's pretty repetitive in the mm -hmm. in the melody. Like the melody is pretty sh not short, but it, it's like a a small portion that's pretty repeated. Um. I would say. Would you, would you agree with that? I'm yeah, not... of course. Okay, okay. Um, da, 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 is the beautiful, melody. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, it's it's good. I like it. You know, it's funny. I, when you first sent it to me, I didn't realize that there weren't going to be words. So, mm -hmm. like, I was just waiting for the words to come in. <laughs> and I was like, damn, it's been two minutes, so there's still no words. But right. uh, I liked it. Um, it's, um, it's definitely, I could picture this pl being played in a, Chayovna for sure because yeah. it's it's non-intrusive um you can kind of bob your head to it but you'd also you know it could also fade into the background mm -hmm. and uh it's also great if you're studying or doing homework i would say because mm -hmm. sometimes yeah. when i do homework or assignments um like even though i love podcasts it's hard for me to listen to podcasts because there's you know too much information going into my head and sure. it's even sometimes hard to listen to certain music especially as someone that likes 
uh, like a lot of hip hop and stuff like that. Like there's still too many words coming into my head when I'm trying to read or when I'm trying to, uh, you know, you know, problem solve something. Oh, uh, definitely. So something like this would be great. You've and heard- I have to say, sorry to interrupt, Jared. I no, have please. to say that the thing that I love about this song, Chayovna by Blue Effect, is that it modulates. So yes, the melody is very basic, mm-hmm. very repetitive, but it's going all over the place in terms of the chords behind it, which is really mm. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. And did if you're you, a fan uh, of... You, how'd you find this one? I'm always uh, interested so, to know how you so find it. So I have to give a shout out to my uh, good friend and fellow guitar player, and I actually got done jamming with him earlier today, my buddy Peter. Mm. Peter is the one who initially showed me this. Um, I had heard of Blue Effect before, but I had never heard Chayovna. And I have to say, as a guitar player, and if you if you like music with guitar in it, this is the song for you. There's a lot of great guitar in there, really beautiful melodies, interesting kind of counterpart points and things like this. And it's just, a, a for lack of a better term, it's a tasty jam. I did not realize, how, I just Googled Blue Effect. I didn't realize how old they were. They've been around yep. since 1968. Yep. Because at yep. first it said origin Czechoslovakia. I was like, what? And I was like, oh, yeah. 1968. I guess that makes sense. That was Czechoslovakia. <laughs> exactly. So check out Chayovna by Blue Effect on our Twitter, Untranslatable1. You betcha. And our YouTube channel, Untranslatable Podcast. You betcha. Let us know what you think about it. I think, you like betcha. you said, Jared, <laughs> it is a great song to study uh, to study to, or just if you're chilling out, it's uh, yeah. absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, Jared, I think you already know my Czech word of the pod, but I think it's worth saying here, and that is maturita, which is interesting because right now, as we record, we are finishing up the first full week here of maturita testing at my school. How long does the test take? The process. Well, so they have diff- they have different parts, mm-hmm. and it takes the whole process is is two weeks. But it's not all. It's not the whole day. It's a few hours every day. Right. Okay. Um, they have like a. They have an oral listening. They have a, a written check, didactic test, a written English test. What's didactic? Uh, sorry. Good question. You get, you got me on that one, buddy. It's it's like a. I think it's just a test where you're supposed to show certain skills, but I could be wrong. Oh, intended to teach, particularly in having moral instruction as an ulterior motive. So it's like you're driving down the street and you're about to run over an old lady or an ice cream cone. Which so do I think you it's like, in, in this case, I would say it's probably like, oh yeah, it's like an argumentative essay mm. or a persuasive essay. Okay. Something okay. Al- along those lines. Then they have a Czech literature where it's oral... Uh, then they have their practical tests. So if you study electrical engineering, there's a special test. If you study programming, there's a special test. All this stuff. Right. So so yeah. So so maturita is my word, which is the name of the standardized test here in the Czech Republic. Now what I've learned, which is fascinating, is not all colleges really look at your marks on the maturita. So basically, if you pass it, it doesn't really. Now this isn't all colleges, but some colleges or universities here. As long as you pass it, that's all they require. Other ones, I guess, that are a little bit more competitive may look into your grades, um, mm. what you actually got. Interesting. So they're like, yeah, we mm. want you to do it, but we don't really care. Right. Uh, I have a Spanish word. Um, mine is also at rather apropos, and it is los deberes. Deberes? 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 D-E-B-E-R-E-S. 
Is there an accent mark on there anywhere? Mm-mm. No. I don't know. De, de Beres? I, I don't know. De Beres. I'll ask um, Sydney when she teach? gets here. Yeah. Your professora? Um, yeah. Si. And what um, does it mean? I don't know that word. Homework. Aha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Seems I love the fitting. German word for homework. Yes. Hausaufgaben. Although, you don't say that in Austria. That's, ooh, that's true. Hausübung? Hausarbeit, I believe. Hausarbeit, yeah. She got on me for saying Hausaufgaben. Uh, <laughs> right. In German class in, You're in right. Vienna. You're right, Hausarbeit. You're right, yeah. Whereas I think for, for German speakers, Hausarbeit has a slightly different meaning maybe than that's Hausaufgaben. That's like cleaning the house, wouldn't it? I guess could be, yeah. But I also think they, I, I think a Hausarbeit is more of a serious type of Hausaufgaben, oh, maybe? Oh, uh, it was like homeschooling almost? No, 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 no. Like a more important homework assignment. Okay. Yeah, the, the Austrians take take the homework word way more literally than the, than the Germans right. do. Right. So, yeah. Anyways, time for a couple jokes. Oh. So, Jared... Um, why, uh, or wait, no, that won't, that one won't work. One second here. One second here. <laughs> I like that All you're right. prepared. I know, right? <laughs> so, so Jared, like why did a student, uh, get such a low score on the exam? Mm, why's that? Because the person sitting next to him was absent. <laughs> Dude. At my school and high school, the level of cheating that went down was ridiculous. There was, I remember for one of our final exams, it was our religion class, uh, the irony of cheating on a religion test. Um, right. So there was, we took a final exam and there was one dude that was like, we were all finishing up and there was one guy that was still sitting there and uh, come to find out he had copied the answers from someone. They were in on it, the person he copied from, but he had all the answers to the test written on his desk. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and then geez. he was going through just copying the answers from his desk to the paper. Uh, the level of cheating that went down at my school was ridiculous. Oh, my God. Sorry. That just made I me think of that. I, I believe it. I believe it. I didn't partake um, in any of it. Right. I was a right. standing of course, citizen. Of course you didn't. Um, Jared, what is the uh, nation people hate the most? Um... What's that? I have no idea. Or I guess what nation do students hate the most? Let me put it that way. The United States. <laughs> no, Jared, the examination. Uh, right? You're so clever. I know, right? And my <laughs> last one for you is exams are like, and this isn't really a, a question answer one, but here we go. Uh, exams are like complicated partners. Too many questions, difficult to understand, more explanation is needed, and the result usually ends in tears. It's hilarious. That sounds like an 80s comedian joke or something. <laughs> right? That's my, that's my sweet spot right there, Jay. 80s comedian jokes, for sure. For sure. Well, we hope you all have appreciated us. Uh, I'm going to keep using this untranslatable. Us uh, throwing a party at all the people who are all about standardized tests and mm. lots of homework. Um, yes, there are benefits and good things about some standardized tests and homework to a certain extent, but I think overall we need to allow our students to be creative yes. and have more time to spend with their family, 
learning about things that's more practical in real life and um, not being worried about filling in some bubbles on a Scantron sheet. Yeah, and not to sound like a um, like a old man screams at clouds, but I do think that like I don't know if street smarts is the best word, but like there is a I feel like there is a growing lack lack of like general knowledge, like not mm-hmm. not school related educational knowledge, but just like real world experience that people I feel like that's more and more lacking, especially oh God I hate myself right now, but especially as like we get more invested into social media and our phones and stuff like that. Like you sort of lose, uh, and, and the irony of me saying this, but you're like, you lose the hard skills of like actually interacting with uh, the world. Yeah. And I, think I would that agree. That's, that's, that's something that is just as important as all those tests and homeworks and stuff we have to do. Absolutely. I think if there's one quick, easy quote I could give to all of our listeners out there, you are more, then your test results and your grades on your homework assignment. Do not let that limit your creativity, your drive, and your passion for whatever may it may be. You betcha. Yeah, that's good. I like that. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode about homework and standardized tests and have learned something about uh, different countries' approaches to some of these, some of the pros and cons of homework and standardized tests as well. Let us know your experiences and thoughts on homework and standardized tests in your home country and your own personal experiences about it at untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com. Slide into uh, Jared's DMs on Twitter and let him know how you feel about homework and standardized tests, untranslatable one. Also, check out that poppin' Instagram page to see adorable pictures of Jared at the Dusseldorf International School Check out a couple pictures of Nature in the Czech Republic and so much more. So check that out, and we hope you enjoy. And lastly, do not forget five-star reviews, iTunes, and Stitcher. We would appreciate it so very much if you would take the time out of your busy day to give us a rating and some feedback about what you like and also dislike about this podcast. So we thank you all so much for your support. And as we say here at the Untranslatable Podcast, Děkujeme. Muchas gracias.